guys, it's Timmy, and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited, as we are here, what's today's date, the 26th of June, 2022, to talk about everything, well, not everything, most things, that went down tonight at Forbidden Door, because, well, I can't talk about everything, because I didn't get to watch everything, because of goddamn Bleacher Report, I pay for the show on Bleacher Report, and for the first, I want to say, hour and a half or so of this show, most, or a good chunk of it, wouldn't play. Yes, I missed the last, I don't know how long. Actually, I can't tell you how long. But I missed the end of the tag team title match. And I didn't see any of the All-Atlantic title match. Any of it. Any at all. So eventually, I just had to go on Watch Wrestling and watch it there. Which that stream wasn't much better, but at least it played. Because there was a good 30 to 40 minutes of this show at one point. That it was buffering or just wouldn't load more than I saw. And that's when I got frustrated with fight and went, you know what? I'm done with this. Or not fight. Um, I wish it was fight. But Bleacher Report. And unfortunately, Tony Khan did state in the press conference that the ROH pay-per-views will be moving to Bleacher Report. So it's like, I'm not watching ROH pay-per-views. Unless I can legally stream them on like, watch wrestling. Because uh, Bleacher Report... Didn't work for me, and I know other people it didn't work for. It didn't work for um, Ryan Tronic of Within the Ropes. I know Jesse the Buckeye. Jesse the Buckeye actually stated on Twitter that she paid twice to try and get this to work with Bleacher Report, and then eventually just used a VPN to get it on New Japan World. And on New Japan World, you didn't get it because I tried that, and I don't know. You didn't get it on New Japan World with just your New Japan World subscription. You had to pay an extra 50 bucks. So she paid. Uh, I should ask her, you know, I should message her and ask her and clarify this. But if what I gathered from her tweet in her little video, she paid 100 bucks to Bleacher Report, didn't get to watch it there, and then paid another 50 in the New Japan World. Plus whatever she's paying for her, I don't know if she already had the VPN or paid extra to get the VPN tonight, but that's ridiculous. And I know a couple of people, I saw one person on Twitter go, um, tried to get Bleacher Report to work for Forbidden Door and it didn't work on my TV. It said that the payment didn't go through. Did it again on my computer, it went through, then got a notification from my bank that it actually charged her twice. She said, I got a notification from my bank that it charged me twice. Like, what is up? And then Tony Khan in the press conference, the media scrum afterwards, I want to thank, you know, all of our partners, including Bleacher Report, for the great stream tonight. Obviously, this bloke wasn't on Twitter, seeing everybody having issues with Bleacher Report. A lot of people having issues with Bleacher Report as far as the show goes. Uh, Sinclair Connor says, I paid on Fight TV. My cost was 25 tonight because I'm in a different country. Mine were perfect. Exactly. Fight works fine. I almost bought it on Fight. Because, so, what I did was I got the show on Bleacher, paid the money, it didn't work. Put in for a refund and hearing them back. I called them on the phone, got put on hold, I said, screw this, I hung up. So then I got a VPN, which, shout out to Pure VPN, I went to New Japan. I'm like, oh, we watched the New Japan World, nope, not included in my New Japan World subscription, I'm not paying an extra 50 I almost went to fight because fight was going to charge me because I used the VPN to do that. The uh, fight was going to charge 20. Then I found it on watch wrestling. It was working. I had to do the whole, it would cut out, refresh, and then it's fine again for a good 
20 minutes. So there we go. Because that's a, it was a big to-do and a big hassle. So if I missed a couple of things in my notes, I do apologize. Because once I did finally get the, sh the, the show working good, again, I did it wa through watchwrestling.in. And what would happen was periodically after like 30, 45, maybe 25 to 30 minutes, it would say stream removed, taken down. All you would have to do, refresh it two or three times. It'd be back up. Keep clicking play till it played, and you're good for another 25, 30 minutes. That's how I had to watch this show because goddamn Bleacher Report is garbage. Bad, 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 bad. Kivish says, I didn't have any issues with Bleacher Report. Well, good on you. A lot of people did. A lot of people had problems with Double or Nothing and Bleacher Report as well. So I should have just knew. I'm going to say right now, with Double or Nothing, I didn't even try to watch on Bleacher Report. I watched it on Watch Wrestling, didn't pay for it. I'll say it right here. But I had the same issues of every 20 to 30 minutes, I had to refresh and da 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 da. So the night I was like, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet, I'm going to pay for it. And that bit me in the ass. That bit me in the ass. But enough of my bitching and complaining. Let's talk about this show AEW Cross New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to everybody that is watching live, live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited or. I want to say thank you to everybody watching or listening later, whether that's youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited or podcast services all around the globe, like anchor, Spotify, Google pod, um, Apple pod, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so much more with that. If you are watching live, remember you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one, of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a um, uh, with a tier one subscription or tier two, tier three with a tiered subscription. Subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, you take that Amazon Prime account, take that Twitch account, link them together, bada bing, bada boom, your Prime Gaming. And remember, I say take your, but it doesn't have to be your. Be anybody's. Twitch Prime account, whether that's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie, your uncle, anybody, anybody. With that on the flip side, remember over on YouTube, you can help us out by hitting that, well, join button down below. Hit that join button to become a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. You can do all of that but more directly support us by heading over to patreon.com forward slash PW Unlimited. If you do it on Patreon, subscribe, you get, well, you more support, you support us more directly because YouTube ain't taking their cut, but you also get it easier for you because everything is in one concise, easy to find area. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something, whether that's a new game, an old game, claim the free games or get some bucks, whether that's V-Bucks, Fortnite, whatever they call the Bucks in Rocket League or Show Bucks for Fall Guys. And remember, Fall Guys is free to play everywhere now, whether that's your PlayStation, your Xbox, your Switch, your computer. They've got a Battle Pass system, so you may need to get that Battle Pass system. And when you do, it's going to ask you for your creator code. And that creator code is PWUnlimited. Use our creator code, whether that's on the Epic Game Store on your computer or in Fall Guys, Rocket League, and Fortnite on your PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox. But with that, we've got Forbidden Door to talk about. Remember, like I said, some of my notes are going to be a little iffy. 
because I didn't get to see parts of the, this show early on. Thank you, Bleacher Report, for that. Also, I did not see the first half or so of the first buy-in match because I was, well, watching the NASCAR race because I got delayed for a couple hours. Shout out, whoop, Chase Elliott and the nine team for picking up that big victory in Nashville tonight, whereas they were calling it the, the Nash car race in Nashville. Get it? Get it? NASCAR, Nashville, Nash car. Ah, a little clever. But let's talk about what I did see in this first tag team match. It was Jama, as they call themselves, Haruki Goto and Yoshihashi taking on the factory's QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. So I got in there after Goto reversed a suplex attempt from Solo and turned Marshall inside out with a vicious lariat. Yoshihashi got the hot tag and took Marshall down with a headhunter for a near fall. Solo sent both his opponents to the floor and hit a top rope cone Io. He then tossed Hashi back into the ring. Marshall hit the cutter after a pair of enziguris. Uh, Marshall went for a 450 splash and missed it, and Hashi took Solo down with a dropkick to the knee. Goto then took out Marshall with a Yushigoroshi. Then Goto and Hashi hit their double-team finisher, don't know what it's called, to pick up the victory. So with that, Goto and Yoshihashi defeat Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. Then because I didn't see the very beginning of the buy-in, I was confused and going, why the hell are we getting Lance Archer and Nick Camarado? But apparently it was just an extra match they added to the buy-in to fill time. I don't know. But they had this match on the buy-in. It was just two big boys going at it. Not much really here to talk about. They kept saying a lot about how Nick Camarado should have been added to G1 and how he'd be great in G1 because he's a big old boy that can big old boy with a bunch of other big old boys. But early on, Archer, who is in G1 this year, uh, tried a forward flip into the ring on Camarado and landed right on the top of his head. This didn't look good. Camarado got Archer up for a gorilla press, and Archer slid out and took Camarado down with a boot and then sent him to the floor with a flying tackle. After a brawl on the floor, Camarado hit a big elbow drop but didn't even get a one count off of it. Camarado dominated for a little bit, and then Archer came back with a big boot and his rope walk moonsault. Archer, at one point, um, uh, oh, I, I wrote, Archer didn't land on his head this time. Archer didn't land on his head this time. <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. Uh, Camarado then got a power slam, got a near fall off of it. Camarado went to the top, and Archer caught him with a knee. Then he awkwardly got him in a position for the blackout and scored the pinfall. It seemed a little off, I don't know exactly what was going on there. Parts of this match seemed like they were two guys trying to do two different things. So they didn't really gel well. I'm going to say right now, these two guys didn't seem like they gelled too well. In the back, Alex Marvez interviewed Clark Connors. He said he hoped, Hiroshi, or he hoped that uh, Tomohiro Ishii got well soon and says that he's going to take his opportunity to become the All-Atlantic Champion. Next up, we had Swerve in Our Glory against Suzuki-Goon. It was Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland against Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado. Also, on commentary for this show was um, Kevin Kelly, who I think is the best. Kevin Kelly's my favorite announcer in wrestling today. But anyway, we had Kevin Kelly. We had um, Taz and Excalibur. And then a couple times they would throw in, they threw in Caprice Coleman at one point. 
They threw in JR towards the end, and they even had Tony Schiavone at one point on the show as well. So early on, it looked like Lee had dropped some noticeable weight because he, the way he like he was moving around quick, quicker than normal. Like Heath Lee for a big boy is quick, but it looked like he was moving even faster than normal. And I'm like, hey, looks like he may have dropped some lbs. Good on him. At one point, Kenamaro urged Lee into the corner and frustrated Lee with his speed until Lee finally just grabbed him by the face and spiked him down like a baseball. There were tags in and out from both sides, and Desperado at one point caught Strickland with a numero, uh, numero dos leg lock on the outside. At one point, they were fighting on the floor, and Desperado got the numero dos. Oh, no. So Desperado got the numero dos in the ring. Got the rope. Strickland got the rope break. They fell to the floor. He got the numero dos again on the outside. Uh, Strickland... I don't know what I wrote there. That was weird. I uh, got the numero dos on the outside. Oh, and then he smacked uh, Strickland's knee into the post. Back in the ring, Strickland caught Desperado with a middle rope drop kick. Strickland accidentally dropped Lee to his knee, and the uh, Suzuki Goon team took control. They worked over Keith Lee's knee. Lee went lever for the spirit bomb on Kanemaru, but Desperado caught Lee with a drop kick, and Kanemaru took Lee down with a rana. At one point, Strickland hit an inverted backbreaker and a flatliner on Desperado. Lee and Kenamaro got the tags for their teams, and Kenamaro went back and forth with Lee and went after his leg. Kenamaro locked in the figure four on Lee as Desperado hit the numero, or locked in the numero dos on Strickland, but Lee got a hold of Desperado by the throat and tossed him into Kenamaro to break both holds. Kenamaro went for a sunset flip on Lee, but he countered it with another spirit bomb attempt, and that was broken up by Desperado, the pin. Kenamaro took a swing from his a swig from his trademark whiskey bottle and spit in the face of Keith Lee. Cradled him, but only got a two off of it. Strickland took Desperado down with a kick, and then Lee got Des, uh, Lee got Kenamaro down with a massive Big Bang catastrophe and picked up the victory. I thought this match was really really fun. I really liked this match. As far as the buy-in match goes, I thought it was great for the buy-in people to see it for free on YouTube and whatnot and go, oh man, if it's the action, if the action's going to be like this all night, I need to see this show. So this is a great, like, hey, this is some of the kind of stuff you're going to see tonight. And I felt like you had, you know, all different kinds of styles in this match. You had the big, hoss, strong, you know, brute guy in Keith Lee. You had the two fast, I don't want to call them cruiserweights, but light heavyweights, whatever you want to call them. High flyers, you had the high flyer in uh, Swerve Strickland. You had the high flyer in Desperado, and then you had a guy kind of in the middle with Kanemaru. So I thought this was a great match to be on the buy-in to be like, hey, here's kind of a preview of some of the kinds of guys you're going to see tonight and some of the kind of the action you're going to see tonight. So after the match, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs cut a money fire promo from the press box. At one point, um, I died laughing. When Ricky Starks called Swerve the mascot for Apple. I think, what do you call him? The mascot of Apple Jacks or what is it? One of them cereals. Yeah, he called him the cinnamon stick from Apple Jacks because of the hair. The way his hair is. He literally called him the cinnamon stick from Apple Jacks. He's like, also, you two call yourselves Kobe and Shaq pro wrestling. But we're here in Chicago. And me and Hobbs, we may be the Jordan and Pippen. Jordan Pippen, 
Always better than Kobe and Shaq. <clears throat> I'm like, oh, got him. He then said, you guys want to call yourselves the best tag team? We're the best tag team in AEW. How about we fight? And basically, it was weird, though, because they're talking all their smack and everything from the press box, and Keith Lee and Swerve kind of just not paying them any attention, just walked right up the ramp. Kind of kept looking back a few times up, you know, and they're kind of like, eh, whatever these guys. So it's like, huh, interesting. Also, Okada at the press conference right now, full suit, just decked out to the nines. So next up, we had Max Caster in the Gun Club, Billy Austin and Colton against the LA Dojo's Alex Coughlin, Yuya Uemura, uh, Kevin Knight, and the DKC. I really, really liked Max Caster's uh, rap tonight, and I wish I would have wrote down what he said because it was, it was really good. He made fun of the LA Dojo guys, said something about them always having to wash Shibata's balls and stuff. I thought it was really good. I, I really liked his rap tonight. And then, of course, the gun club kind of whatevered the entrance. First, Colton said something about, uh, he's like, Tokyo, Japan. And then they're like, no, this ain't Tokyo. Green Bay. And then finally, we had Alex, or not Alex Bowen, Anthony Bowens. I don't know why I said Alex. But Anthony Bowens was like, no, 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 let me do this. Chicago. Because at first I was like, why'd they say Green Bay? Oh, Green Bay, because the whole, you know, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers rivalry thing. That's why they said Green Bay, to get the crowd to boo it big. Ah, it, it, it took me a second to get that. But then it, but then it, it, it did, because like when he said Tokyo, Japan, I was kind of like, eh, cute. But then when he said Green Bay, and then I put the correlation together, it popped me a little bit. I was like, oh, oh I get Green Bay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because I was thinking he was going to say Tokyo. Then I thought the other one was going to say L.A. because L.A. Dojo. But nope, he said Green Bay. So they're all in the ring, eight of them, match ready to start. And also we get a video from Dan Housen. I'm like, whoa, okay. And Dan Housen basically says that he got a surprise here and this and that. And then, I'm a ass boy. Dun, dun. Yeah, I'm a ass boy. Dun, dun. I'm like, oh, parody of I'm an ass man song, but sing I'm an ass boy. And then for some reason, Austin and Colton get mad, so they run to the backstage area. They just leave. They leave the whole match. Like, the entire match. They're just gone. I'm like, really? Why? Why? It's not like, like as far as I know, one's not hurt or whatnot, so it's not like, I, I don't know. This made no sense for them to be pulled from the match like that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember them ever returning either. So early on in this match, Umura got a near fall on Caster with a bulldog and the LA Dojo team kind of just worked over Max Caster for a while. Caster showed some great fire at one point and then, well, got taken back down. He got double teamed a couple of times. He got pushed into the corner, but then finally got that tag to Billy. Knight hit Billy Gunn at one point with the drop kick, but Gunn came back with a famous R on Coughlin. Caster then hit a top rope elbow drop on Coughlin and picked up the victory. There we go. Um, Max Caster and the Gun Club, or Max Caster and Billy Gunn, in technically a four-on-two handicap match, picking up the victory. Then we got our first match of the night. 
And we move over to Bleacher Report. And I like, all right, this is cool. Bleacher Report loaded up perfectly, like immediately. But then about a couple minutes into this match, it started buffering. And I'm like, oh, no. And I had problems for the next, I don't know, hour or more until I got frustrated. As far as this match does go, this first match of the night, it was a six-man tag team match. It was Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki against Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. The winning team earns um, winning team earns the man advantage for war games. And when they put that stip on the match, I was kind of like, oh, well, I know who's winning this. It's the heels. It's always better for, you know, war games, or as they call it, blood and guts, for the heels to have the advantage. So... Kevin Kelly recommended to the other commentators early on not to make any eye contact with Minoru Suzuki. Because, well, you do. Suzuki may get upset with you. Don't have a word. Because we've seen it in New Japan. Other replayed a clip from 2018 basically telling us why Umino is in this match. Because Umino and Jericho actually have a history. When Chris Jericho took on Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome. Shota Umino was one of the young lions at ringside. Jericho kind of knocked out uh, Red Shoes at one point, who was Shota Umino's father. Umino tried to stand up for his father. Jericho slapped him across the face. So that's why those two have a history. It makes sense for Shota Umino to be in this match. Early on, Jericho started the match with Yuta, who instantly slapped him and hit him with the rolling, a six rolling German suplexes before Jericho caught an elbow. Yuta locked in a cross face. And was quickly bro- uh, which was quickly broken up by Sammy Guevara, and then both teams started brawling around ringside. Umino hit Suzuki with some forearms, but Suzuki, of course, no-sold it. Match settled down for a little bit in the ring as Guevara and Yuta went at it. Kingston tried to interfere and got a huge chant from the crowd. Umino got the tag and kept lo- uh, looking over at Suzuki like he wanted Suzuki. Umino is actually looking for payback on Suzuki as well, because back in the day, as a young lion, just like Jericho, Suzuki roughed him up a few times. Jericho would tag in and actually took a beating from Umino. Kingston got the tag, but rather than deal with Kingston himself, Jericho tagged in Suzuki. Kingston and Suzuki exchanged chops, and Kingston got the advantage. Uh, Suzuki walked out of the... uh, Suzuki walked right out of the corner at one point, no-selling chops. Kingston came back with some machine gun chops after Jericho got tagged in, and then he also sent Guevara flying to the floor with one chop. At one point, Suzuki hit a PK kick on Kingston and got a near fall off of it. Suzuki, Guevara, and Jericho each locked on one. Suzuki, Guevara, and Jericho each locked one of their opponents in a submission hold in a clever-looking spot. I didn't. My stuff froze, and then when it came back, everyone was out of the hold. So I don't know. I saw like right when they were putting them in the submissions. And then they were out of them already when it unfroze for me. Uh, at one point, I saw Guevara hit a shooting star press on Shota Umino to the floor. Yuta and Kingston follow this up with dives of their own. And then, in a great spot, Suzuki looks around, goes to bounce off the ropes. He does bounce off the ropes. He runs, 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 gets halfway through the... to the. He gets halfway across the ring, goes, ah, no. I'm like, ah, you got him. You got him. And then instead, he took out Shota Umino with a forearm. So he goes, he teases the dive, goes, no. Shota Umino slides in the ring. He's like, ah, pop, knock you out. Um, I wrote my stuff, froze again. And then when it came back, Guevara hit a knee on Umino 
and Jericho hit a code breaker on Umino for a near fall. There was some fighting on the floor, and Ty Conti distracted Wheeler Yuta like she was going to hit him with the baseball bat, and Sammy Guevara was able to blindside Yuta with a GTH. Guevara caught Umino with a... Uh, uh, Guevara then actually used the bat at one point, and uh, Umino locked in a Boston Crab on Jericho. They basically said, this is kind of... Because Jericho had put... In that 2018 Wrestle Kingdom match, Jericho not only slapped and roughed up Umino, he put him in the walls. So, Umino basically put Jericho in the walls tonight. Guevara, though, broke this up with a pair of super kicks. Suzuki took out Kingston with a gotch-style pile driver. This ended up Umino three-on-one with the heels. And even though he managed to dispose Suzuki and Guevara, Jericho hit him with a Judas effect and pinned him to pick up the victory. So with that Wednesday, Blood and Guts, the JAS does have the man advantage for Blood and Guts, which it always makes sense for the heel team to have the man advantage in that match. Alice's match was really fun for what I saw. For the most part, I think I saw most of it. I don't think I buffered for more than like five minutes total in this match. And go to Wikipedia really fast because they've got the, the match times. Again, I couldn't get match times because kept buffering, but Wikipedia says this match went 19 minutes. Well, that was really good. I liked that match. I thought, well, it had stakes. So that was, it was, I think, honestly, let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the card here. I have it written down on a piece of paper. So I don't have to scroll through my notes. I think out of all the matches tonight, only two matches actually didn't have stakes. We're talking about the main card, from the main card. None of the matches on the buy-in had stakes. But as far as the main card does go, the Bullet Club versus Dudes with Attitude didn't have stakes. Neither did Claudio versus Zack Sabre Jr. Also, Claudio, dressed to the nines right now, kind of, with Tony Khan at the press conference. He's got a nice button-up dress shirt on. Of course, Claudio, so he's got the... Pop a couple buttons unbuttoned, but really cool for an opener match. Like, I thought this was a great opener. There was a couple times that I'm like, hey, we're getting away. I can't really follow some of this because, like, a lot was going on. But then they like, because a lot of times in AEW, and I, I've, I've bitched and moaned about this before. AEW and their six-man tags likes to have too much going on at once. But what I appreciate in this match is, Right when it felt to me like, uh-oh, too much is going on, it got tightened back up really quickly. It didn't have too much going on for too long. And so that I really appreciated. Because too much in AEW, you'll have the two fighting in the, like in six-man tags, for instance. You'll have two guys fighting in the ring. You'll have two guys fighting over here. And you'll have two guys fighting over here. And that can go on for a while. But I felt like it didn't drag this time like it normally does. So kudos to whoever laid out this match. Next up, six-man tag team match. It was FTR, the AAA and ROH World Tag Team Champions, defending their titles against the United Empire, the IWGP World Tag Team Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, defending their titles against Rapongi Vice. Match went 16 and a half minutes, and Caprice Coleman joined commentary with ROH's Bobby Cruz doing the um, ring announcing. Also, speaking of a Ring of Honor, we did mention, I did mention earlier, that Tony Khan said the Ring of Honor pay-per-views will be moving to Bleacher Report. But in saying that, during the press conference, 
Denise Salcedo goes, Tony, let's talk about Cesaro. And he goes, no, let's talk about Claudio Castagnoli. He then said that before Forbidden Door, before they needed him to fill in for Brian Danielson, he had reached out to Claudio about working the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view, which will be Death Before Dishonor from Lowell, I think he said Lowell, Massachusetts, on July 23rd. On, of course, unfortunately, Bleacher Report. Well, that sucks. Hopefully, well, if it's on Bleacher Report, I assume it's not going to be on Fight in the U.S., which sucks. It looks like I'm going to either have to bootleg that show or not watch it. Also, Tony just gave Claudio a huge hug. Claudio ended his little, his little question and answer session. But as we move forward with this tag title match, remember I did state that I missed the finish of the match, so I don't actually have... And I don't know how many minutes I missed. All I know is my shit froze up pretty far into this match, so I feel like maybe I didn't miss much and didn't come back till partway into the Bullet Club match. So we'll just roll with what I got as far as notes go. As far as uh, the tag title match does go. Uh, oh, Dax Harwood's injury. We'll get, we'll get that straight away. Straight away. Apparently that storyline, according to Dave Meltzer. Meltzer said, uh, Dax Harwood is back and all taped up. It was, quote, storyline. Worked the match to set this up. So, good to see that they did a, quote, injury in this match with Dax Harwood that's not a real injury. Because the way... They taped him up and just let him come right back. It looked bad. It fooled me at first. And I'm like, oh, well, he's using that. You know, they had the tape from the right arm all the way around. Like, it was supposed to be, like, taped down. But he was moving it too much. And I was like, you know what? I don't think he's really hurt. And then Meltzer sent it out, sent out that tweet again stating, Harwood is back all taped up. It was storyline. Worked the match to set this up. Fortunately, there was an injury, though, tonight with Adam Cole. We'll call We'll talk about that as we move to the uh, move to that match later. So let's see. Punky Vice in the United Empire brawled on the floor early, where Beretta hit Ocon with a spear. In the ring, Beretta hit a sliding knee strike on Ocon for a two. Cash tagged himself in and took the fight to the United Empire. The match broke down, and Wheeler was crawling to his own corner, but no one to tag because you know Cash. Or Dax already got taken out. Also, there was a funny spot where Dax got pushed up into the corner by Great O'Con. Great O'Con then climbed to the middle rope and then just basically smashed Dax's or Cash's head. He sat on Cash's head with his ass, and it's just like this is the bottom turnbuckle. This is Cash's head, and then boom, Great O'Con's ass. I thought that was really funny. Uh, like I said, Harwood did eventually come back to a huge pop, all taped up. He got tagged in and took the fight to both Cobb and Great O'Conn. Harwood took out Conn with a clothesline and hit three rolling Germans on Cobb. Crowd was even more hugely behind FTR when they thought one of these men are hurt. Red and Harwood teamed up at one point and superplexed Cobb, and then Wheeler flew off. <coughs> excuse me. Flew off the top of the splash for a two. Wheeler and Romero then teamed up to spike pile drive Great O'Conn. And I think this is when Taz said, Oh. That same move broke my neck at 95. Every time I see it, I cringe. So, um, Beretta went for the strong zero on Cobb. 
and Cobb countered into a power bomb. Then I saw Cobb hit a standing moonsault on Rocky. Tossed Beretta into a German from Cobb. Uh, no. Cobb hit a standing moonsault on Rocky. He then hit a uh, Beretta with a, moon, a German, went for the pin. Rocky took out Cash and Great O'Con with a, a splash tope to the outside, and then I froze. I didn't see anything else. From what I gathered on Twitter, FTR hit Rocky with a big rig and picked up the victory. Again, I didn't see the finish. I don't know how many minutes exactly I missed, but what I gathered from Twitter, FTR hit Rocky with a big rig and picked up the win. So... There we go. So for what I saw, I thought the match was really good, but didn't really tell much of a story. It was just a lot of spots. And I felt like Rapongi Vice was only in this to take the fall. It really didn't set up anything to me. Didn't do anything to further either team. And it's just, okay, FTR got all them belts. When are they going to face the Young Bucks? When are they going to face the Young Bucks? In the back, Tony Schiavone interviewed well. Juice Robinson with his IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Jay White. My stream kind of came back for this. I didn't hear anything they said. I basically, my stream un, my stream unbuffered. I literally, well, I, I can show you, I got a screenshot. But Rosa at the press conference now. Where Where is it? So literally... I didn't see the end of the tag title match, right? My stream unbuffers for like a quick moment. Like when I say a quick moment, it literally unbuffers and then freezes itself right on. Why is it not wanting to load now? Right on this screenshot. Like I see this. Literally it unbuffers. Buffers again, I see this, and then I don't see, I literally see this. I try to refresh, and I just get the whole, you know, loading, 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 loading for the next 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, I, I knew they did the interview, but I didn't hear the interview. I just knew they did it because it literally, like, it was spinning, came back, spun again, I refreshed it, and then it just kept spinning, and I didn't see Pack win the title. So I have no notes on that match. No notes on Pac winning the All-Atlantic Championship. So that's kind of crappy, and I apologize. All I know from Twitter was that Pac came off the top rope with the Black Arrow, locked on the Brutalizer on Clark Connors, and Clark Connors tapped out. That's all I know. I don't know if the match was good. I don't know if the match was bad. I assume it was probably with the guys in it a good match, but I can't gauge it. I'm really... Upset that I can't gauge it. So, also, I forgot. Did I? Hold on. We didn't do the poll on Twitch, did we? No, we did not. Let's do the Twitch poll really fast. What did you think of Forbidden Door? Also, guys, remember, I will be taking your calls at the end of this as well. You can call into 510-906-1341. Again, the number is 510 510- 906-1341. The number will also be scrolling across the bottom of the screen down here as well. I liked it. 
it was all right. I didn't like it. All right. Poll is live here on Twitch. Totally missed that. But as we move forward, I joined the next match in progress. It was Sting and Darby Allen with uh, Shingo Takagi. It was what they called Dudes with Attitude against the Bullet Clubs, the Young Bucks, and El Fantasmo. And what I saw? Just another spot fest match. Just a lot of spots. Spots and spots and spots. So at one point, well actually, when I started watching it, Darby Allen hit Fantasma with a code red tagged, and then tagged in Shingo. Shingo took a, the fight to the Bucks, hitting Nick Jackson with a twisting snap suplex for a near fall. Shingo hit a Death Valley driver on Nick and tagged in Sting. Fantasmo tried to give Sting a purple nurple, but that backfired and Sting hit the Stinger splash. Hikaleo distracted the referee at one point and Fantasmo low-blowed Sting. The young boy, the young bucks, young boys, young bucks invited Sting to a super kick party. Sting kind of no-sold it and then took them both out the clothesline. Sting got uh, the tag Darby, who went for the coffin drop, but Matt Jackson got his knees up. The Bucks hit Allen with more bang for your buck, and Phantasmo came off the top with the splash for a near fall. The Bucks hit dives on Shingo and Allen on the floor. Phantasmo followed this up with a rope walk moonsault on the floor. Sting teased his own dive on the Bullet Club, and they cut him off with a triple super kick. The Bucks went for the BTE trigger, but Sting ducked, and the Bucks uh, collided knees, and then the buck, uh, he put the Bucks in double scorpion death drop. Sting then gave Phantasmo a purple nurple and a low blow for his troubles. Allen then took out Hikaleo with a coffin drop to the floor when Shivani yelled, What a fun match! Back in the ring, Takagi and Phantasmo were the legal men. Takagi got a uh, near fall with a pumping bomber. Uh, Shingo then hit the Made in Japan on Phantasmo and picked up the victory. So bingo, bango, bongo. Dudes with attitude pick up the win here. When I saw it was fun, like Tony Schiavone yelled, but it just seemed like a lot of set up for the next spot, set up for the next spot, but not as repetitive and overdone as normal. And again, another thing I had to praise AEW for. Big matches where you would think uh, too much action or too many just spots wasn't as overly done as normal. So, and I'm not saying these matches were toned down. I just felt like they didn't overdo like they normally do, except for, well, the main event. Well, not the main event. What happened at the end of the main event? That was overdone. Three shows on TV this week. If you want to count this as a show on TV, because technically, you know, traditional pay-per-view. They all ended with fucking gang wars. We'll get to that in a probable ramp. Yeah. Anyways. They let us know that on Wednesday, September 21st, AEW will be returning to Arthur Ashe Stadium for Dynamite and um, what's it called? Oh, my mind just went blank. Um, Why did my mind just go blank? Grand Slam. They call it the Grand Slam. AW Grand Slam. Also, there was a banner. They never... Weird that I never... And maybe I missed this when my stuff was not loading. But there was a banner in the arena tonight. The United Center that said, All Out, Sunday, September 4th. But they didn't have like a video package or anything to actually that I saw. And maybe I missed it when my shit wasn't loading. But what I saw or what I didn't see was a commercial or an ad or anything saying all out September 4th. But there's a banner and I can pull that up because I know who tweeted it. 
Actually, I retweeted it. But there was a banner in the building. I can show you guys that on Twitter. Right here. September 4. Right there. Uh, AEW Wrestling All Out Sunday, September 4th. We don't know if that means that since the banner was there, we don't know if that means that it's going to be in the United Center or if they're going to do tradition and go to the now arena, the old Sears Center. So we'll have to wait and see on that. And if it was announced and I just missed it because stuff wasn't loading, then let me know in the chat or the comments below if you're watching later. As we move forward here. We had the AEW Women's World Championship on the card, on the show, Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. And I'm like, okay. This match was pretty good. But then at one point, I felt like it was, it kind of just was there. Like, it started out good. And I liked the early portions of this 10-minute match. Almost 11 minutes, I think it was. Um, also, let's go to, um, let's go to... Wikipedia again, because because my stuff was buffering so much, I couldn't get actual times. The tag title match, 16 and a half. The All-Atlantic match that I didn't see went 15 minutes. The six-man we just talked about, 13 minutes. This match, 10 and a half. So, I felt like this match started off really good. And there was a lot of good action early. And then, it, for me, kind of fell flat at one point. It was just like, now they're going through motions. Like, it started really good and really technical early on. And then it just felt like they were going through the motions at one point. So, <clears throat> early on, they were going back and forth at one point until Tony Storm slapped Thunder Rosa across the face. Rosa caught Storm with a leaping cutter and some diving drop kicks against the ropes. Rosa got a near fall for a Northern Lights suplex. Storm countered a Fire Thunder driver with a roll-up, but Rosa rolled through and caught Storm with a double stomp. Storm tried a spinning DDT to the floor, but Rosa blocked it and hit a Northern Lights suplex. Storm caught Rosa with a German suplex on the apron and hit a spinning DDT on the floor. Back in the ring, Storm murdered Rosa with a hip attack. She literally was in the corners, like, smacking her hip. I'm like, let's go! Right? And then, wah, flying right into the corner, hip attack. Then got a good near fall after a DDT. Rosa hit a running knee strike and a Death Valley driver. Rosa planted Storm with a fire thunder driver, but got a very close two off of it. Storm. Uh, Storm's left shoulder seemed to start bothering her here, and she couldn't hit a stuffed pile driver. Rosa hit Dustin Rhodes' finish, the final reckoning, and got the pinfall. They've talked a lot how Dustin Rhodes is her mentor, and then she used Dustin's move to pick up the win. Very interesting there. I thought the match started off good, then was just okay. So, eh. JR then came out for commentary as the next match was the IWGP US title match, Will Ospreay against Orange Cassidy. This was another match I had a lot of buffering issues. And so I think it was, yeah, it was during this match when I finally, no, no. Yes, it was during this match when I finally got fed up with Bleach Report. I'm like, I'm not doing Bleach Report anymore. Jumped on my VPN, pure VPN, shout out, not, a, not sponsored. Jumped on my pure VPN, 
tried to go get the show on uh, New Japan and like, yeah, 50 bucks. I'm like, screw that. Then I tried to go fight. I put, oh, I'm in the UK from the VPN. And they're like, oh, 20 bucks. And I said, oh, crap. Let me just try it with watch, watch wrestling. So I went to watch wrestling. Had to figure out a way to finagle it because that kept buffering too. Or actually kept going out and you'd have to refresh and this and that. But I did see most, for what I think was most of this match, this was good. I missed a little bit at the beginning. Like I saw the beginning. I may have missed a mi- I may be two, three minutes, and then I was back in for the rest of this. So early on, Osprey looked it was weird. Osprey looked jacked and big compared to Orange Cassidy, which is really weird. Because Osprey, I've never thought of Osprey as like a big dude. I know he's put on a lot of muscle and stuff over the last year, but I've never think of Osprey as a big dude. But regardless, Osprey caught Cassidy early on with a shot, a hot shot, and took advantage. He then splashed Cassidy against the ring barricade with some help from Aussie Open. Missed a couple of bits here. Uh, this is when I missed a couple of minutes trying to figure out what am I going to watch this on because it ain't going to be Bleacher Report no more. At one point, uh, they were fighting up on the turnbuckle. Orange Cassidy took Will Osprey's head, slammed it into the corner camera, and basically broke the camera. Like the camera sitting up like this and then the camera was over like broke like this and I got they broke the camera I thought that was funny um streaming TV on app store was buffering all night for the pay-per-view gotcha bangs I've never heard of that if that's an iPhone thing you said app store not Google Play I don't got an uh, Apple device anyways Osprey hit a bunch of kicks and Kawada, uh, a bunch of Kawada kicks to Cassidy. Cassidy eventually fired up and hit Osprey with a drop kick. Cassidy hit his own low impact version of the Kawada kicks, and Osprey was not impressed. Cassidy then caught Osprey with a super kick and then really unleashed some real Kawada kicks. And it's like the Orange Cassidy uh, uh, stuff ain't for me, but when Orange Cassidy starts going, I love Orange Cassidy because he's really, really good. It's just the gimmick stuff never gets me. But as soon as he started hitting real kicks, because, like, he hits the super kick because the fake kicks weren't working, he hits the super kick and then just starts going in on Osprey. And I'm like, yes! I get it. We have to get that gimmick stuff from Orange Cassidy. But then once we get over the gimmick stuff, these matches from Orange Cassidy always end up fantastic. Cassidy avoided an Oz cutter at one point, encountered into a suplex and a stun dog millionaire. Cassidy hit a Mr. Note driver and got a very close two off of it. Cassidy hit another spinning DDT. Cassidy took out Aussie Open with a diving DDT off the top for a near uh, off the top. And then Osprey caught him with a Spanish fly for a near fall. Osprey hit the cheeky dando in the corner. Cassidy and Osprey fought up the corner. At one point, Osprey hit a cutter and then the Os cutter and got a near fall. Osprey went for the hidden blade. Cassidy avoided it. Osprey went for the Stormbreaker, and Cassidy countered it into a Rana, into a Cradle. This was a great counter from the, the Stormbreaker. This was great. He had him up, had him up. He goes to throw him up like he normally does, and Orange Cassidy flips him. This was great. Cradles him. Looked like Rey Mysterio out there flipping people around with Ranas. Osprey hit the Hidden Blade at one point and got a two off of it where the crowd thought that was it, and I thought that was it. It was like one, two, three. Like it was this close. Like if I could, if I could, 
like this close. I don't know how that wasn't a three. Osprey was shocked, went for the Stormbreaker, and then got the finish. There was this, there also, I also missed in my notes, there was a spot where Orange Cassidy hit a big move and got a very, very, very close near fall as well in his own. Right at the match, for the most part, really good. We got past the Orange Cassidy gimmick stuff, and then, poof, fantastic wrestling. I thought Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay paired up phenomenally together. Yes, I said it, phenomenally together. After the match, Aussie Open beat Cassidy, beat up Cassidy. So Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta came out to make the save and got laid out. Then, the one thing that surprised me all night, because Claudio, we all expected it, so I didn't pop for Claudio. But what I did pop for was freaking Katsuyori Shibata. Shibata came out, and I went nuts. I'm literally sitting here, and this happened a couple of times tonight. They did it with... Shibata, and they did it with Claudio, and I think there was one other. No, I mean, that may have been just the only two times where the camera was on the crowd. They popped for something. We weren't sure what it was because we didn't see anything because the cameras were on the crowd. Then we realized what it was. So the cameras are on the crowd, and the crowd all of a sudden, yeah! And then they cut to another shot of the crowd, and then eventually it cuts to the, the ramp, and you see the graphic. Katsuyori Shibata. And I just sitting there, I'm sitting here. And I'm like, why is the crowd going nuts? Who's coming out? I see is this Katsuyori Shibata. I'm like, Shibata's here! And I lost my shit. Because I love Shibata. I love Shibata matches. Shibata may be one of my favorite wrestlers from Japan that I've ever watched. And Shibata came out. Asiopa went after him on the floor. He popped them both, knocked them both out. Osprey is in the ring, sitting in the corner. Well, he's uh, he's laid out. He beats. He starts beating the crap out of Osprey. Puts Osprey in uh, the rear naked choke. Osprey open pull Osprey out of the ring, and there we go. My question is, freaking phenomenal. We got Shibata on this show, but why? I'm not complaining or anything that it didn't make sense. Are we gonna get Shibata versus Osprey? It just. Why was Shibata on the show? Just to be on the show? Or was there an actual reason he attacked Will Ospreay? After the match, they did some stuff with Orange Cassidy. Uh, Shibata and Orange Cassidy went face-to-face for a second. Orange Cassidy then took off the sunglasses and put them on Shibata. Shibata wore the glasses. Him and Orange Cassidy shared a moment. And there we go. I thought, that's funny. Shibata gave him a couple looks like, you putting glasses on my face. And then it was, it was, it was cool though, because like he, he like tried to give the glasses back and Orange Cassidy didn't want them. Orange went to leave. Shibata gets out of the ring, sits on the apron and he's like, pulls the glasses down. He's like, that, oh, that Shibata charisma where he's got flows. Shibata without even trying just exudes charisma without even trying most of the time. And he did it tonight again. He's like, he's like, put the glasses back. And Orange is like, uh-uh, you keep them. And then when he got on the apron, he was just like, and then right into the camera, I was like, oh, that's Shibata. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was going at it like nothing. So, I, I, I hope it leads to something. Maybe Shibata in AEW 
doing a couple of matches. Maybe him and Will Ospreay somewhere. I don't know. So then, a big hullabaloo of next to Zack Sabre Jr. But who's the mystery opponent? Dave Meltzer tweeted eh, roughly an hour before this. For what it's worth, Cesaro's backstage. Or should I say, Claudio Cashanui. But he tweeted, Cesaro is backstage. And we had heard from Fightful earlier in the day as well that graphics were made for blood and guts that had Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli on them. So basically, everything pointed to it being Claudio, and it was Claudio. So for me, I didn't really pop big when Claudio walked out because I was so much expecting it. But I still thought, hey, really cool to see him here because we haven't seen him do anything since like February. So really cool. Claudio came out. He wasn't Cesaro without the E, like maybe we thought he would be. He wasn't Claudio Cesaro, no. You know, because that's what his Twitter is, Claudio Cesaro. No, he was Claudio Castronulli. Came out, graphic, you know, his Titantron had his logo plus the BCC, Blackpool Combat Club logo. They said he's the newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club. And these two had an absolutely nuts match. Like this match was fantastic. And the crowd went wild when they realized it was Cesaro, Claudio, because of the graphics on the screen. Again, another time when a shot to the crowd, and then it cuts to the crowd as the crowd's going wild, and then finally it cuts, and there's Claudio. Also, Kay Ballard, you spelled his last name completely wrong. You spelled his last name completely wrong. It's Claudio Castagnoli. If you want to say it how it's spelled, it's Claudio, it's Claudio Castagnoli, but it's, it's actually, if you say it phonetically, it's Castagnoli or Castagnoli, however you want to say it. If you say it phonetically, Castagnoli. <clears throat> also, FTR with Tony Khan at the press conference now. Um, as we move forward, though, with this match, again, this match was great. Ring, the, ring, the bell rings, and Claudio goes straight after Zack Sabre Jr. Hits him with the forearm, neutralizer, and tries to win in 10 seconds. I'm like, oh, wait, it got me. It got me. Because I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to just destroy Zach? They didn't. Zach Sabre Jr. drops to the floor, and Claudio hits him with a running forearm against the rail. Yeah, like something caught in my throat. Like a bubble, like a burp. Like I feel like I got a burp, and it just won't. Hold on. Let me take a drink of this monster and see if that helps. Over that helped. I got a little burp out. I muted the mic so you didn't hear it though. But JR put over Claudio like a million bucks on commentary. Saber tried to work on Claudio's arm after he ran into the ring barricade. Never, and I'm going to say it right now, Claudio got me. He got me because I thought he may have been hurt. So he bashed the arm and more like the, 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 what's fucking this up? This is your bicep. Um, he bashed it into the ring post, and for the rest of the match, he was selling it. And the way he was selling it, though, got me to think that he may have been actually hurt. Because there's a lot of the, like, mo like every time he would do something, he'd look at the arm, shake it, and then a lot of times in the match, he's going like this, like he's trying to make sure he's got feeling still in his arm. And it got me, like, oh, is he hurt? Did he hurt the arm? Is he trying to uh, make sure he didn't, you know? Stinger or anything to the arm, 
but he got me because I don't think he was hurt. The only injury we know of coming out of the show may have been Adam Cole. We'll talk about it here in a minute. So, Castagnoli uh, hit a long, delayed vertical suplex. One of his trademark spots. Saber caught uh, Claudio with a knee bar out of a sharpshooter attempt. And... Oh, it froze on me, and I didn't see him get out of the... I didn't have anything here. I'm like, why didn't I write anything more? Because it froze on me. I didn't see him get out of the knee bar. But he got out of the knee bar. I just don't know how. Saber uh, started working over the legs a little bit, and then he snapped Claudio's fingers. Saber avoided a charge in the corner and twisted Claudio's neck. Saber kept working over the arm of Claudio and came back with a pair of back breakers and a charging European uppercut. Saber took Claudio down with an arm bar and transitioned into a triangle choke. Claudio powered up and tried to send Saber out to the floor. Both guys tumbled over the ropes and Saber held on to the hold. Uh, Claudio Castanulli then picked him up again, walked Saber up the steps to the apron, and then dumped him back in the ring, just showing why he's one of the strongest men in professional wrestling. I know that. That would just freaking, again, they always kept saying it. John Cena used to say it all the time. Cesaro may be one of the strongest guys they've ever worked with. And John Cena used to say it in the, back in the day. And he showed it again here why. Why people say he's one of the strongest guys. Also, he's been posting on his Twitter that he's training for a weight, like a weightlifting competition coming up Monday. So that's really cool. Um, Castanulli teased a big swing. But Saber countered into a guillotine. Castanulli set up Saber for a superplex, but Saber countered into a submission. Claudio countered with a European forearm and hit a super gut wrench suplex. Castanulli went for the swing again, but Saber got to the ropes. Castanulli hit a forearm for a near fall. The crowd kept asking for the giant swing, and Claudio, uh, Claudio got it only for five rotations before his arm actually gave out. Claudio went for the sharpshooter, but Saber countered into a heel hook. Claudio countered back into the sharpshooter, and Saber escaped. Claudio hit a double stomp and got a near fall off of it. Saber then started taunting Castanulli into giving him an uppercut. Saber caught uh, Castanulli caught Saber with a no. Saber caught Castanulli with a choke and then tied up Castanulli with another submission. Saber hit a series of kicks and got a near fall off of it. Claudio hit a pop up uppercut, then hit an arm trap power bomb and got the pin to pick up the victory. Another. Phenomenally great fun match here in this in this show. So we move forward. The IWGP heavyweight title on the line, or as they call it now, the World Heavyweight Championship. Jay White defending against Kazuchika Okada, Adam Hangman Page, and Adam Cole, where unfortunately it does seem like Adam Cole did suffer an injury coming out of this match. Let's see. Let me go to Twitter really fast and see if we do have any more updates on Adam Cole? Let's see. I know Brian Alvarez was tweeting about it. It said um, that Adam Cole did come out hurt, but he had now. Yeah. So, uh, ooh. Cole may have suffered a concussion, according to Brian Alvarez. There we go. That's why the end of this match was botched. Because Adam Cole kind of knocked out. Kind of knocked a little loopy. He did state that Adam Cole, uh, Adam Cole's injury believed to be a concussion, wishing him the best. 
let me tweet that out really fast. Update from Brian Alvarez. He noted that Adam Cole is have suffered in the IWGP world title match. There go forbidden. Eat that out really fast. Fuck that over here. All right, cool. So as far as this match does go, I really enjoyed this match. And this is a match that I thought all four guys got to shine in. And at one point, made you think that any of these four guys could have picked up the victory. So, there we go. Okay, cool. So Okada... Got the largest ovation of anybody during the, um, so they did the whole, everyone comes down to the ring and they stand in the corner each and then they do the ring announcement. And when they, you know, they did everybody, the IWGB heavyweight champion, Jay White, we got Adam Cole, we got Hangman Page, but the biggest pop of all was for Okada. And so for all you people that were tweeting me on Wednesday saying, Who's this guy? He looks like a jobber. Who is this guy coming out here getting added to this big man? No, he is not a freaking jobber. He's the best professional wrestler in Japan right now. He is basically New Japan's Roman Reigns or Kenny or Kenny Omega. So, and Kay Ballard, he did not. I, if he suffered a concussion, you can't call it a botch. You can't call it a botch. So to say, to keep spamming that in the chat, he botched, he botched. Like this is like the fourth time you've said it now. It, if he suffered a concussion, you can't really call it a botch. The finish pot looked messed up because he got hurt. Botches mean you messed it up. But if you're hurt with the concussion, don't put any, any um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, how do I, how do I say it? Don't, oh crap, how do I say this? Don't be like, oh, he fucked up. Because basically when you say someone botched a move, you're basically like, hey, fucked up. No, he was knocked loop. He was knocked a little loopy. You can't, you can't take anything away from Adam Cole if he was hurt. But I hate when someone gets hurt in a match and they go, well, that, that was botched. Well, yeah, he was hurt and couldn't do it properly because he was hurt. There's a difference between something getting messed up because you're hurt and just messing up a move and botching it, like we see in a bunch of matches recently. So, um, <clears throat> so early on, first thing first, Jay White gets out of the ring, and he's like, "You guys go at it." Then Adam Cole gets out of the out of the ring, and it's just the two baby faces, Okada, Hangman. Cole tried to make a deal with White to work together against the baby faces. Most of the early portion of this match was White paired off with Okada and Page paired off with Cole going at it. White and Cole suplexed Page at one point on the entrance ramp. In the back of the ring, Cole hit a hangman's neckbreaker on Okada. 
Cole caught Paige with a pump kick and came back with a fallaway slam on Cole and a plancha to White. Then a top rope lariat on Cole for a near fall. Paige went for a moonsault, but Cole caught him with a super kick right to the head. Always love that spot. No matter who's doing it, whether that's a Adam Cole doing it, like someone hits the big moonsault. And we've seen this basically in every Adam Cole um, hangman match. But we've also seen it in WWE with um, Drew McIntyre, where he's facing the smaller guy, like the Ricochet match, for instance. Ricochet goes to do a flip, and he claymores him right out of the air. I think Sheamus has done it to Ricochet, too. I always love that spot, especially like tonight. When they showed the replay and kind of, they didn't really do it in slow-mo, but you could tell it wasn't 100% speed. That super kick hit perfect. Hangman was 100%, 180, upside down, kicked right to the face. Adam Cole timed that perfectly. This then left Okada to go against Cole and White. Okada caught Cole with an elbow and White with a flapjack and then a drop kick to Cole off the turnbuckle. The fight went to the floor and Okada tossed Cole and White over the barricade. Then... Did his, I'm going to run as fast as I can, jump over the barricade, and crossbody both of you. Back in the ring, Okada locked Cole in the money clip. White broke that up and planted Okada onto the mat with Saito suplex. White went for a German suplex on Page, and Page flipped through and got a jackknife cover for a two. Cole then turned on White with a backstabber and a Yushiguroshi for a near fall. That kind of played into Cole getting pinned at the end because he turns on White at one point, so White basically like, you can turn on me? All right, fair game now. We're, we're all good to go at each other. White took Cole down with a chop and caught him, uh, and then caught him with another. Okada and Page. Um, I wrote Okada and Page, and then I didn't finish my sentence. Oh, cause it probably froze. I didn't finish my sentence. Uh, Okada and Page exchanged. Oh, here we go. No, I did. Okada and Page exchanged booyah forearms from the crowd, you know. Boo, yeah, boo, yeah. Page caught Okada with a boot, and Page then got clotheslined and then hit White with a sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. Cole stopped the buckshot from Page, and when he came off the top rope with the moonsault to the floor, uh, when he came, Cole stopped a buckshot from Page who then came off the top with the moonsault to the floor onto Okada and Cole. There we go. I wrote that weird again. Ghetto at one point tries to interfere. Page went for the buckshot. White avoided it and went for the blade runner, but Page countered into the deadeye. Page then hit the buckshot lariat, but Okada broke up the near fall. This then left Okada and Page in the ring. Okada went for the tombstone and Page escaped. Okada went for the rainmaker and Page avoided and went for the buckshot. Cole tripped him, or Cole tripped up Page and Cole went for the Panama Sunrise on Okada, but he countered with a neckbreaker. Okada dropped an elbow from the top on Cole. Cole avoided a rainmaker and got a pair of super kicks for a near fall. Okada came back with a drop kick, but missed again on the rainmaker. I froze for another minute or so. When I came back, we saw um, White ran in, ran in and hit Okada with a Blade Runner. White then dumped Okada and then pinned Cole. After Cole got hit with a um, Rainmaker from Okada, White then technically, you know, as they call it, steals the pin, steals the victory. Because Okada took out Adam Cole. White then jumped out Okada, jumped on Cole, who was out, literally, as we assume, 
and one, two, three, there we go. Again, like I say, Cole assumed, assumed to be injured and per Brian Alvarez of F4W Online may have suffered a concussion. We then see, you know, the recap and the commentaries talking about this match. We see Jay White and Ghetto walk off. Then they show Doc Samson checking on Adam Cole in the ring. We do a couple of replays. And then JR lets us know, hey, I just want to let you guys know. I think it was JR. Maybe it was, it was either JR or Excalibur. They go, I just want to let you know. Adam Cole was being attended to by the doctor at ringside, but he was able to roll out and walk out of the ring on his by his own power. So Adam Cole was able to get out of there by himself for the most part, as far as we know, because they didn't show. He didn't need any assistance getting to the back. But it is unfortunate that it seems like he may have suffered a concussion after he's been dealing with, I want to say, a shoulder injury. Uh, Johnny Lee says, JY hit the Blade Runner. He hit the Blade Runner on Okada. That's the thing. Okada took out Cole with the Rainmaker. Then... White took out Okada, didn't pin Okada, but pinned to Cole, which is technically stealing the pin because he felt like, you know, I didn't knock out Okada enough to pin him, but Okada knocked out Cole enough, so I'm going to steal off of his, his big move. That's why you call, say, he stole the victory. And I, and I, I said that. He hit Okada with, the, with, the, rain, with the, the Blade Runner. So you're trying to correct me here in my own chat. What the fuck? And again, I said that twice. Rainmaker to Cole from Okada. Blade Runner from White to Okada. Then threw him out of the ring and then pinned Cole. But then at our main event, that went 18 and a half minutes. Actually, also, uh, the Claudio Sabre match went 18 and a half. The Fatal 4-Way here for the IWGP world title went 21. And this final match of the night went 18 minutes. As we move forward with our main event, Tanahashi, John Moxley, they kept saying it and they kept saying it and they kept saying it. This match, three years in the making. But I need to look something up. Hey, Balor, that was not a blood pack. I'm going to tell you right now, that was not a fucking blood pack. But blood pack, don't put that in my chat. That's not a blood pack. Moxley was not bleeding from a... Wow. I'm gonna have... Wow. Call that a blood pack? Fucking kidding me? That was not a blood pack. You do not bleed like that from a... You, you not know what a blood pack is? Blood pack, basically, you know, we've seen it with Roman. Like, there was an infamous spot in WWE where Byron Saxton handed Roman Reigns a blood pack. He bit it, and he was bleeding from the mouth really good. But there's no way John Moxley, you don't know what a blood pack is, bro. Moxley either really got busted open or bladed. Because you ain't just going to bleed like that and just keep on and keep on. And like you don't know what a blood pack is. Because if it was a blood pack, he wouldn't have, A, got more and more and more blood on that face throughout. 
and been dripping like that. You don't blood pack your face. We we think you grab the blood pack and squirted it like some ketchup. No, no, it's not, a, a it's not what a blood pack is. So just saying. <clears throat> so as far as the match does go, Tanahashi irated Moxley early, whereas he's taunting him with some air guitar, which gave Moxley the opening to work over his leg. No, Tanahashi worked over Moxley's leg. Tanahashi tied up Moxley in an Indian deathlock. Moxley got a rope break and hit a cutter out of nowhere. Moxley hit a double underhook suplex and dropped Tanahashi with a pile driver for a near fall. It seemed like there was something going on off camera. And like, there was something going on in the crowd. And there was something going on in the crowd. Because the crowd all of a sudden starts chanting, You fucked up! You fucked up! You fucked up! And I don't know exactly what happened, but apparently two guys got into a little tussle in the crowd and they got ejected. Security had to pull them away. So, I don't know exactly. Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc. tweeted a video of the guys, not like them fighting or anything. I don't, I assume they got into a little scuffle in the crowd, but he posted two videos of the two different guys getting escorted from their seats. Because I'm like, why the hell is the crowd chanting, you fucked up? Who fucked up? Not Moxley, not Tanahashi. And then when I saw the video from Nick Houseman, I was like, oh, this makes a lot more sex- sense. Context. Context is king. So the crowd was chanting, you fucked up, because, well, guys got themselves kicked out during the main event. At one point, Moxley locked in a Texas clover leaf. And Mo- I literally just said that, K. Ballard. And Moxley transitioned into a crossfire. And Tanahashi got to the ropes. Tanahashi came back with a sling blade and worked over Moxley with the body shots. Tanahashi hit a somersault senton and got a near fall off of it. Moxley ducked another sling blade attempt and clotheslined Tanahashi to the floor. Out on the floor, Moxley wiped Tanahashi and whipped him into the barricade and then sent him through the table with the Uranagi. Tanahashi barely beat the 10 count, which was weird here because when... Tanahashi and Moxley were both outside the ring, ref not counting. Just letting them go, letting Moxley put them through a table, all that kind of jazz. But then Moxley gets in the ring, and then he starts the count. Tanahashi gets in like nine, eight, eight and a half, nine. So I'm like, come on, AEW, you and your damn refs. Really? Really? You're going to not count while they're both out there and then only count for inconsistency. I'll call it inconsistency. Uh, Mr. Bang says, one security guard grabbed the fan by the throat. Uncalled for, in my opinion, just get the person out. Well, I mean, I haven't seen that, but maybe there's part of the video you didn't see where who knows if the guy tried to get physical with the security guard. And so the security guard had to get physical back. You never know. Trust me, I can go on that. I have a friend that worked at security for a decade and never wanted to get physical with people. But if people got physical with him, he had to get physical back. Going forward, Moxley countered a dragon screw leg whip into an arm breaker, a cross arm breaker. Tanahashi caught Moxley with a sling blade and sent him to the floor. Moxley then came up bleeding. And when I say bleeding, I say like a lot of blood all over his face and just dripping and dripping and dripping. Moxley went for a paradigm shift at one point, but Tanahashi countered into a twist and shout. Moxley hit a paradigm shift eventually and turned it into a cradle for a near fall. Tanahashi countered a second paradigm shift, 
hit a Kamigoi, and then came off the top with the high fly flow. Tanahashi hit the high fly flow a second time and went for the cover, but Moxley rolled through it into a bulldog choke. Tanahashi fought out of the choke and countered a rear naked, encountered a rear naked choke with a cradle for a two. Moxley hit the King Kong lariat, but only got a one off of it. Moxley hammered Tanahashi with some elbows, and the crowd started booing Moxley, actually. This was weird. I did not expect Moxley to get booed. Moxley then locked in another choke with a body scissor this time, and the crowd started chanting, Go Ace! Go Ace! They really got behind Tanahashi, which very much surprised me. Moxley tried the bulldog choke again, but Tanahashi fought back. Moxley hit the Death Rider, which, you know, and that's his, he hit the Paradigm Shift, but in, a, in Impact, no, not Impact, in, in New Japan, they call it the Death Rider, and Excalibur called it the Death Rider for some reason. Moxley hits it, picks up the victory, pins Tanahashi, and becomes the interim IWGP, not IWGP, and I got confused there, because I'm, I'm talking New Japan, talking to Let's, let's read that sentence how I wrote it again. Moxley hits the Death Rider. Actually the paradigm shift, but Excalibur called it Death Rider. Moxley then pins Tanahashi to become the AEW Interim World Champion. Then the show ends with Gang Wars. We'll talk about that in a second. Um... Thought I wrote more in my notes, but I guess I didn't hear. So the match ends. Oxley says something to Tanahashi. They kind of embrace like a hey, good match, good match kind of thing. And then out comes Jericho and Daniel Garcia. And I just put my head in my hands. And I said, are you kidding me? The third show this week that ended the same. God damn way. You've got to be kidding me. They ended this show with God dang a brawl. How did Dynamite end? Oh, a brawl with a bunch of people. How did Rampage end? Oh, a brawl with a bunch of people. Are you kidding me? I get it. The big show next week is a match with a bunch of people. So you want to get them all brawling. But not three shows in a row. And I see people on Twitter. Oh, great way to build up blood and guts. Cool, if they just did it on Wednesday, or if they don't do this a lot. Because, like, if Wednesday's Dynamite would have ended with just the brawl, oh, then fine. But they had multiple gang war moments on last Wednesday's Dynamite, where multiple brawls happened on the show like this. That's why on Wednesday I was so critical of it, because I'm like, we had, like, three of these brawls. Then, how does frickin' Rampage end? Oh, with another brawl. And then how's tonight end? Oh, with another frickin' brawl. Like, come on. Come on. Tony. We don't need to do the same thing three times. So much going on that I couldn't really follow it until Claudio came down and hit Matt Menard with a, a giant swing, 20 revolutions. At least that's what commentary said. I didn't count. But another brawl that just saw JAS run away. Claudio and Kingston then had some words that kind of seemed harsh. Like they were looking at each other like, hey, I know we got to work together on Wednesday, but I don't like you and you don't like me. And then the show goes off the air. So it's like, why do 
you have to end your third show in a row with a big-ass brawl. Why? Why, 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 why? So I didn't see a lot of, or actually I didn't see most of the media scrum after the show, but I do have a couple notes on what I did see before we did go live. And let me pull those up because I have them on my Twitter. I didn't actually. This person's dumb. Someone goes, it was a mistake to have Adam Cole. So I tweeted out, uh, in an update from uh, Brian Alvarez, he noted that Adam Cole is believed to have suffered a concussion in the IWGP title match. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp actually quote tweeted mine saying, yeah, needless to say, that wasn't how the finish was supposed to go. Hope Adam Cole heals up. And some idiot comments, I knew it was the biggest mistake on having Adam Cole wrestle tonight. But as far as what I did catch from um, Tony Khan's early parts, portions of the uh, press conference, he did state that tonight's show was considered a success. The Forbidden Door pay-per-view did over $1.1 million in ticket sales. So for anybody saying, oh, I saw tickets were on sale for $2 today. Oh, AEW got to sell tickets for cheap. Well, A, those are scalper tickets. And if you think that tickets being on sale for $2 means that... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a little piece of advice here. If you think tickets being on sale for this show for only $2 means there was no interest in the show, you're dumb. And I'm saying that because I had two people say that to me today. There must be no interest if they're selling tickets for $2. Well, first off, that's scalper tickets. And if you know anything, what happens was scalpers buy tickets at X price. Say scalpers buy tickets at 50 bucks. They will then at least double those and sell them for 100 when those tickets don't sell by, sell by the day of the show, they sell them for as cheap as they can just to offload them. Trust me, I've taken advantage of it. I have friends that have taken advantage of it. I had a friend that went to a Monday Night Raw in 2019 for $10. No, $5. And where did he sit? And this was in the Barclays Center. Where did he sit? Here's the ramp. Right, the center ramp on the barricade. Five bucks he paid. Because it was day of tickets, scalpers having to unload them. I've gone to a NASCAR race in Vegas for $10 because I bought them from scalper, you know, like, like, like a, not from a direct scalper, but like a StubHub kind of website. Day of, because it's, quote, you buy tickets to resell them. And when they don't sell, day of, you sell them for as cheap as you can to offload them. And that's what happened today with Forbidden Door. And that's why there were a bunch of, um, tickets still on sale and for real cheap. Not because AEW couldn't sell them, not because AEW has to sell them for cheap, because scalpers were just trying to unload them. That is what happens a lot of time. I have friends that they want to go to like Giants games in San Francisco for the, the baseball game. They won't buy their tickets till day of because they know they can get them for cheap off of like StubHub or um, Vivid Seats because they're going to be going for cheap day of. I have friends that do that at least three or four times a year. 
drive from here up to San Francisco, which is about two hour, three, three hour drive, depending on traffic. But they won't buy their tickets till that morning because they know they can get in for so much cheaper. Like I went to a Giants game back in the day for two bucks because we bought them day of off StubHub. So if you saw people tweeting out, AEW is selling tickets for lowest $2 because there's no interest and they have to sell tickets. Well, first off, Technically, they sold all the tickets they put on. Oh, what I gathered was they sold just about all the tickets that they put on sale. 16,529. Any tickets not sold were either resale tickets on ticket. Because a lot of people go like one person I tried to say what I just said to and they go, well, no, there's still tickets on Ticketmaster. That's a dub. No, Ticketmaster allows you to resell tickets as well. And those are all resale tickets on Ticketmaster. Anyways. So. If you saw anyone saying, oh, they're selling tickets for cheap. That's got to mean there's no interest in the, they're trying to unload. 16,529 tickets were sold for this show. Just going to tell you that right now. 16,529. But as far as the rest of this, I thought it was funny when, um, and I'm not throwing shade or anything. It was just, she was the one that asked it. So I said it. Denise Salcedo goes, so, Tony, can we talk about uh, Cesaro? He goes, no. We talk about, can we talk about Claudio Castagnoli? That popped me a little bit. Tony Khan's still talking at this uh, media call. Um, he then said that ROH Death by Dishonor will be taking place on July 23rd and will air on Bleacher Report in the U.S. He actually stated that he had, before knowing he needed him for tonight, had actually contacted Claudio about working that next ROH pay-per-view. He then said when he talked to Brian over the weekend, they... We realized, okay, we need to get someone to fill in for you. And that's when Brian suggested Claudio. Also, the last thing I did see from the, well, actually, there was two things I saw. Tony Khan praised Rocky Romero for being, he said, Rocky Romero may be the most important person of getting this show put together because Rocky was basically the intermediary between Tony Khan AEW and New Japan. He said, he said Rocky made thousands of phone calls setting this show up from stuff I needed to get sent over and talked to about with New Japan and New Japan needed me to know and this and that. He's like, like Rocky was the savior of this show, the one that is probably the most important in putting it together. And he also, it was funny. He says, so the first person we're bringing out here is Jay White, an IWGP world champion. And Jay White walks up and they have the little plastic thing to put your belt on. And Jay White goes to put it on there and the belt just falls to the table. And Jay White, the belt falls off the table. And Jay White's just looking at it. And he looks up at this guy. He's like, you're going to pick that up and put it down there for me, right? Come on. Why can't anything go right? He, I love Jay White. When Jay White's just healing it up, I love it. 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 I love Jay White healing it up. <clears throat> and I think those are all the notes of what I saw. From the press conference or the media scrum before we went live here. With that, that's everything that I was able to gather, everything I was able to see, and everything I thought of tonight's show. Overall, I liked the show. Other than the technical issues I had, what I watched, I enjoyed thoroughly, like everything. I would say the weakest match, not counting the buy-in, because like the tag match with like the first tag match and then the the eight-man tag was whatever. Actually, all three matches on the buy-in were very missable. 
far as the main card goes go, the weakest match probably was the women's title match. Actually, not probably was, it was. But with that, now it's time to hear what you guys had to say. Remember, you can call into the show or text in if you want. 510-906-1341. Again, that's 510-906-1341. Let's pull that up here. Also, while we get that loaded, let's check polls. As far as the which poll does go, 90% like the show, with 10% saying it was just all right. As far as the Twitter poll does go, Um, Twitter, 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 Twitter. 70% liked the show. 29% thought it was just all right. So 70.6% liked it. 29.4% thought it was just all right. And as far as the YouTube community poll, 72% liked the show. 21% thought it was just all right. And 7% did not like it. So let's see if we get any calls, but I do have some text messages here. I do want to read. Other person said, what are your thoughts on Pac becoming the first Atlantic champion? Well, can't really give much thoughts. Like Pac winning the title? Cool. I thought it should have gone Pac or Black. So Pac. My prediction was Black. I was wrong though. As far as the match, can't give any thoughts on it because I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Where it says FTR becoming the new IWGP Tag Team Champions. Very predictable. And John Moxley winning the IWGP. Uh, basically want to know my thoughts on the three big title matches versus John Mox becoming interim champion. Again, very predictable. So don't really have much thoughts because they were super predictable, but I thought the two matches I did see really good. Where it says, now that Claudio is in AEW, what are some Claudio dream matches you'd like to see? Well, unless something came out of the press conference, the media scrum, is Claudio actually, quote, in AEW? Because Tony Khan, and I'm going to double check this. Oh, wait. Yes, he is. He is signed. Okay. So Tony did send out the Claudio is all elite. Okay. So I didn't see that before we went live. Claudio is signed to all the wrestling. He wouldn't put out the Claudio Castanulli is all elite graphic without it. So some dream matches. Well, eventually him and Brian, eventually him and Mox. I would love to see him and Eddie Kingston. I think he'd have some good matches with, I'm trying to think who's on this roster, Darby. That'd be a fun match. Um, oh, TNT title, Claudio and Scorpio Sky. There we go. Or Claudio and Ethan Page. I mean, Claudio can have a great match just, just about anybody, so... Saying, what are my dream matches? There's just too many to name. And, then, and I know he's faced both Brian and Mox in the past in WWE and stuff. And we know those were always good matches. That's why I said those first. But honestly, you know, matches that we haven't seen him have before are all kind of dream matches, to be honest. I mean, there's not anybody. Well, I mean, I can't say that. So never mind. I was going to say there's nobody I wouldn't want him to see. But I mean, him in a Colton Gun. In a match with Colton Gunn, there's not much that would be appealing to that. So, But for the most part, you know, I think he's going to have a lot of good matches here in AEW. And it does seem like he's actually signed because they did give the um, his all-elite graphic, which I thought I tweeted out. Maybe I didn't. Nope. 
So going forward, last text message here. Looks like we're not getting any calls. That's all right. No one wants to call in. That's fine. Uh, this person says, Pack gave a great match. I'm going to take your word for it because I didn't see it. Orange Cassidy pushing Will Osprey into the corner cam was priceless. Yeah, the whole, and then breaking the camera. That was funny. And Sting did his old school, the crow entrance. Did not see that. Okay, that's cool. I'm going to go back and watch that. To, to the crow debuted the crow at the United Center and the lights went out and Sting was on the entrance tunnel as well. Cool. I didn't see the beginning of that match, so I didn't see the entrance there. But that's everything we got, guys. That was Forbidden Door. That was my review and my thoughts of Forbidden Door. Overall, I really enjoyed the show for what it was, or for, for what I was able to see. Again, I'm not going to hinder AEW and the performance of their show just because they're on a shitty service. For everybody, here's the thing. So I get people here in the chat. They're like, I didn't have problems with Bleacher Report. I didn't have problems with Bleacher Report. Cool. That's just like when people bitch and moan about Peacock, and I never have problems with Peacock. So I get it. I get where everyone's like, oh, I didn't have problems. I didn't have problems. You had problems. I didn't have problems. I'm the same way with Peacock, where a lot of people go, my Peacock won't load. My Peacock won't load. I watch a lot of Peacock, to be honest. Because I watch Married with Children on Peacock all the time. I watched all of George Lopez on Peacock. I watched all of Kevin Can Wait on Peacock. I watched all of King of Queens on Peacock. I watched all of um, a bunch of shows, old shows that I grew up with that I've rewatched, all on Peacock. And I never have issues with the um, WWE pay-per-views on Peacock either. I watched the entire NASCAR race, both sections of it, because they had to be split into two matches or two sp sections because there was a three-hour rain delay. Watched the whole thing on Peacock, no problem tonight. So, like when everyone's always like, oh, I am having problems with Peacock. WWE's got this shitty service. Well, I never have problems with it. So, me, tonight... Being the, oh, AEW needs to get off a of Bleacher Report and their shitty service. And other people saying, well, I didn't have a problem with it. I feel ya. Because I don't ever have a problem with Peacock when other people do. So, just that that one time. And then in the past, I've never had a Bleacher Report problem either. First time I had major Bleacher Report problems. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash Unlimited if you're watching live. And if you're watching or listening later, thank you for doing so on either youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited or Twitter. Uh, no podcast services all around the globe, like Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Google pod, Apple pod, and so many more. We'll be back live tomorrow morning for the wrestling wrap up talking any news that we don't know coming out of this show just yet. Maybe something's going to break in a couple hours. We'll talk about all of that tomorrow morning. Then we'll be back live again tomorrow night for Monday night raw. So with that, guys, have a great rest of your Sunday night. And I'll see you next time right here, live, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited or youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Have a good one, guys.